It really wasn't until uh, 2020 when I discovered Bitcoin and then that's when it kind of the, the whole puzzle finally was put together and I understood, okay, it's the, the currency that's broken. Uh, that's the problem. That's how the government can keep spending and spending and spending is because they're taking on debt that they never repay, which means you're creating money from nothing. Um, and that, when, when everything kind of finally made sense, then it was like, okay, I'm a maximalist. It's Bitcoin uh, from, from, from here on out now. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Here we are in the High Hash Rate Podcast. Today we have on Plate Liquor. Uh, goes by Plate Liquor on uh, Bitcoin Twitter. Um, and he's here. And we're <laughs> I'm glad we get, My, to talk, Mike's, get to talk to him. All right, Mike's got the giggles. I took that's, accidentally that's, took 150 milligrams. Uh, it hasn't kicked in yet, but if I start to trail off, you'll get why. But we'll see. It'll be a good journey. Playlegger, what's what's going on, bro? Uh, not too much. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Are you a podcast I, veteran? Uh, Have you been on podcasts before or anything? Or uh, I've you? been on like uh, like maybe two or three. Uh, podcasts, nice. yeah. Which ones? Yeah. Which ones? So there's one, uh, J Mart Fit. I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's good. He's another uh, another Toronto guy. Um, and then there's the uh, what is it? The Green Candle. I think it's Green Candle who runs it. And then the podcast is actually named something else. Uh, I forget the name. And then uh, I was on a podcast in Indonesia one time. Indonesia. <laughs> What were you talking he about? was there i was uh, i was on his podcast but that was uh, that was pretty cool too that was the first one actually so that was a cool experience of the the uh just how worldwide bitcoin is yeah i noticed that too like especially when spaces got really big uh i just realized like wow like there's dudes from africa tonga you know even further out more remote well you don't get much more, more remote than tonga but just from everywhere and it was like we all they spoke English. Some of them like broken English, but they understood all the same stupid fucking memes like dunking on Peter's like, you know, dude, some dude in the middle of Chad has like knows how to dunk on Peter Schiff. It's great. It's awesome. It brings everybody together. It really is. It's like it's kind of funny to joke about, but it's also like there's something to it. Like there's some really important aspect to the fact that uh, Bitcoin kind of like cultural this cultural adhesive that brings everybody together regardless of their background. It, it, that's yeah, something I, to be said about that. I have, to, I have to have to point this out that you can speak to uh, another culture uh, that speaks a different language, and you can you can communicate through a meme or an image, right? That's an interesting exactly. aspect. Right. Very cool to or think video, about. Yeah. Yeah. Or you doing yeah, in Indonesia? No, so uh, so I wasn't in Indonesia. The oh. podcast uh, host was in Indonesia. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so. Playlist, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, background, you, why you yeah, find it, yourself on the on a show about <laughs> yeah, high dudes? Your, that, that, that what is your what is your what is your background? But then also, how does that like lead into your orange pill story? Um, yeah, so uh, background. I grew up as a pretty uh, like poor 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 family. I'd say poor kid. 
Um, I was always kind of uh, anti everything, bad grades, you know, getting into drugs and stuff. Uh, I got arrested. Um, so kind of just, I guess, like like counterculture or something or kind of just like angsty, <laughs> hated the world and things like that. Um, I didn't actually think about anything uh, to do with the economy or governments or how any of that affected my life um, uh, until I was probably maybe like 20 or something like that. And I found uh, Milton Friedman. Um, And so reading that book just like changed everything for me and made me think about things uh, bigger than my own day-to-day life. Capitalism and freedom. Um, What was that? Sorry. Was it the capitalism and freedom? Is that? the Friedman book that you found it no I read uh free free to choose free to choose okay and I, I, that's one where he uh that's how they won the um whatever the Nobel Prize yeah okay yeah. yep okay mm-hmm. so you read a book um, that changed your life like yeah drastically yeah, I think so, yeah okay yeah continue sorry yeah yeah and then um kind of from there I was already into a little bit like stock picking and stuff like that um, but I continued with that and started working at, so I'm a financial advisor. I've been for about seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing that. Um, and that was kind of when I started realizing like, Hey, um, clearly asset prices are getting inflated. This is in like 2015 where I was thinking that, um, maybe 2017. So asset prices are getting inflated as at that time I said, well, you know, it seems weird. Like it's almost like they should include housing prices and the stock market in CPI and that central banks should be making their decisions, um, including that as well, because it's disproportionately helping uh, rich people and uh, that they kind of let those fly. And then once prices start to go up, they uh, that's when the rates are raised. Um, So they kind of had that moment. And then it really wasn't until uh, 2020 when I discovered Bitcoin and then that's when it kind of the, the whole puzzle finally was put together and I understood, okay, it's the, the currency that's broken. Uh, that's the problem. That's how the government can keep spending and spending and spending is because they're taking on debt that they never repay, which means you're creating money from nothing. Um, and that when, when everything kind of finally made sense, then it was like, okay, I'm a maximalist. It's Bitcoin uh, from, from, from here on out now. Are you, uh, you said you worked for a financial advisor? Are you a financial advisor? I am. am, Yeah. It's an independent financial advisor. Yeah. Nice. So I'm not going to go, I'm not going to like make this a whole like side piecing, but, uh, I just finished building the Swan financial advisor services for Andy Edstrom. So if you want to load your clients up, maybe even be a beta tester for that, we're launching that like next week. So, uh, and that, that, that can be publicly announced. I just don't want to like turn this episode into a thing about the financial advisor platform but you're a financial advisor i gotta let you know that i just spent the last seven eight months of my life toiling over this thing for it's finally done yeah like it it sounds awesome i'd love to be able to do that that would make my whole uh life and uh morals more congruent if i could be offering my clients uh bitcoin a bitcoin solution um i think there's licensing issue issues in canada for that though um i believe i would need a different license called an iroc license sure right i have have an mfda license um 
I'd have to confirm that, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's the way it is for uh, when it comes to actual Bitcoin. Sure. Um, but that's kind of the dream, not, what you've described, though. Does it mean that you're legally not allowed to offer advice about Bitcoin? Is that what that? Yeah, the way it stands right now, I'm not allowed to talk about uh, about anything like that. So I'm allowed to talk about a diversified portfolio, and, mm -hmm. and that's about it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's amazing how language uh, can capture you like that, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, that's over regulation. That's uh, that's what government does, right? So, why did you decide to uh, start Bitcoining? Uh, you know what? I actually uh, had heard about Bitcoin probably in like 2013, and just thought like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I had a friend approach me who wanted to to mine. Bitcoin in 2014. I said, no, nah, that's too risky. I'll probably, I'll probably mess it up and lose money or something. <laughs> so I didn't do that. And then in 2020, uh, the app that I used at the time to uh, buy and sell stocks suddenly started offering Bitcoin. And so I bought some and uh, it started to go up. So I thought, okay, I better research this a little bit. It's, uh, it's going up quite a bit. I wonder if this actually, if there's something to this Bitcoin stuff. So this was at the uh, end of 2020 just, when it started to like kind of go nuts past like, you know, 13,000 and started to hit up 20, 30,000. That's when you got in. Yeah. So I think, I think I first got in at like 10,000 or something okay. like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot, there's so many people. So I, mean, I bought Bitcoin for the first time in like 2018 or whatever, like, but I, I, I just kind of bought it cause it crashed and I was like, oh, but I didn't even think about it. I, hardly, I like, I didn't Google it. I, I didn't go on Reddit. Cause I mean, there wasn't really Bitcoin Twitter back then. I was like, everybody's on Reddit. So I went on there like a couple of times, but I didn't think about it. It wasn't until 2020. It wasn't until COVID when they started printing like trillions of dollars that I started to be like, wait, there's, this might be the only way out or the only way to hedge this. But I just noticed like there's the, the, the contingent of the most uh, toxic, uh, just hornity fucking Bitcoiners on Twitter that just harass everybody, like in a good way, like the shit coiners and stuff. Uh, most of them are like the 2020 people. They came in and they're like fucking hardcore soldiers, which I, I mean, essentially I am too. I'm a 2020 person too. I don't consider, I didn't really get into it until 2020. So I kind of feel that, I feel like part of that, uh, part of that wave of just bully the shit coiners, stuff them in lockers and let them know the truth. I think everybody wants to be toxic, but I think uh, Bitcoin Twitter uh, encourages that. So I think people, yeah. like, people like that. I, I certainly sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> where, where do you stand on the scale of a uh, Bitcoinery and shitcoinery? Um, I I would probably berate anybody that I ran into who uh, who was into shitcoins, um, and I consider everything that's not. Bitcoin as a shitcoin. Um, I'm sympathetic Man. if you want to own some gold or if you want to own some uh, real estate. Um, but as far as like stocks, things like that, um, I, I consider those shitcoins. Unless maybe you have a, a shorter time horizon, right? If you need money in uh, in a year and you got to put it away, sure. Sure. I think that's fine to hold that in cash or like a very conservative uh mutual fund or something like that just because short term you're going to get wrecked by inflation but at least it's only probably one year of single digit inflation right. uh <laughs> but uh bitcoin can lose more than single digit in a year no problem so it, yeah right. so 
I'm pretty much a, a, a maxi as, uh, as far as that comes, I, I'd say. Yeah. I, I like to, I kind of like boil it down when people ask me that question now, it's just kind of like, I think it's all right to hedge for like duration risk. Like, like what you, exactly what you said you need something in six months a year, whether you're saving up for a house, you got to pay down some, whatever it is. Yeah. It's probably best to keep a couple grand or whatever in cash and just so you, so you know for sure that you'll be able to pay that down, especially if it's like a something you're saving up for debt or trying to pay down debt or something. I guess you wouldn't save up for debt, but um, yeah, exactly. Everything else is kind of a shit coin. Um, at the end, at the end of the day, like, what do you think in ten years, right? Is gonna which stock is gonna do better than Bitcoin in ten years? I can't think of one that. I mean, sure, maybe a couple will. Like Tesla did really well over the last decade, but. Good luck finding that one. Like almost nobody's going to be able to find that particular stock because it's probably a private equity type issue right now that's going to go public in the next year or two and it'll blow everybody's mind in 10 years. But how are you going to find that? The, the average, even like the best pickers can't find that. So definitely not some pleb. I, I agree. Like if, like if you look at Tesla, uh, Tesla in like 2013, um, people thought it was crazy overvalued then, right? right. And, it, and it was, it had a, it had no PE ratio because it had uh, way too high of a stock price compared to its earnings. Um, so I, I don't think that can be, it's, it's luck if somebody picks that and, and, and has a large allocation, right? Because like we're confident enough in Bitcoin that we can have an extremely large allocation. No stock picker is going to be confident enough in a uh, brand new tech company to put, to go hundred percent. You know what I mean? So Sure, they might own it in their portfolio and do well, but they're not going to have the conviction that uh, that Bitcoiners do. I kind of view, I view, uh, I used to be really into like the um, just like personal finance and stuff like that, like reading mm -hmm. all the uh, normie uh, articles and things. Um, but uh, for those guys, it's like okay, just just S and P low cost ETFs, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just like you don't have to think about your investment strategy at all. Just do that. Um, and I think as Bitcoiners, it's about we've kind of made that gap that like, okay, maybe America won't be the best place to invest right. for the next 50 years. Like it has been for the past 50 years. Right. And maybe there's a safer place that hedges uh, uh, like geopolitical and, yeah. and uh, right. geographic risk, right? If there's a massive war and something happens to the U S and they're not uh, the economic powerhouse anymore, your S and P investment is going to look pretty stupid. But with Bitcoin, it doesn't matter which country, which empire falls next. Correct. Correct. Uh, Bitcoin benefits either way. So I think I think in like five years from now, um, Bitcoin is going to be that thing that uh, all the personal finance blogs are saying is, oh yeah, just put it into Bitcoin DCA. Uh, you don't have to worry about it. You're going to out outperform any uh, financial advisors anyways. Just do that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a big shift in the uh, money world. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Uh, that feels like a universal you, language, by the way. Right. I, I really, uh, when I heard it, it was probably was sometime in the spring of last year when Greg Foss went on Preston Pish's show. And he, I, I think that was the first time that he, for a large audience, uh, kind of explained that credit default, that CDS kind of thesis where Bitcoin is a, is the, um, that that hedge against currency, all currency risk, especially the dollar. And ever since then, that's been like really my, that's when I, you know, when I orange, try to orange pill some of my more sophisticated friends, people that 
have some um, like financial advisor or, you know, some of them even work in finance. I kind of, that's kind of the angle I take. And they, they, they seem receptive to it. They don't necessarily buy into it right away, but they seem receptive to it. Well, how do you feel about that? Um, that theory, you know, the Greg Foss's kind of way of looking at Bitcoin. So, so I love hearing about uh, people when they, like how you just described, you listened to the, the podcast last mm-hmm. spring with Greg and, and Preston because I love hearing when people say that because like, oh, I remember listening to that. And I kind of yeah. remember where I was yes. when I was <laughs> listening to that too. 100%. Uh, so that's awesome. That uh, that podcast uh, blew my mind. Um, and that was kind of like crazy at that time. Like, this guy is so smart. He's Canadian. I'd, I'd love to meet this guy one day. Uh, it's actually funny because then if you fast forward to uh, last month, actually, uh, I had reached out to Greg and said, hey, um, I'm going to have about 15 minutes with the... Uh, chief investment strategist of the, uh, the company that I work for and Greg's awesome. So he said, he's does right. like the most for Bitcoin out of anybody I, yes. I know of. Um, and he, so he took the meeting with me. Uh, and so, so he kind of prepped me and, uh, just to, to take me through that, that theory of the, uh, the, uh, what does he call it? The, uh, Fulcrum index. Um, he took me through that and kind of helped. And, and so I had that conversation, uh, with the chief investment strategist and it was just uh, a really good angle for someone like that. I think who can kind of comprehend uh, the bond markets and, and stuff anyways. Um, so I, I think that's awesome. I think that's true. I, I'll be, I'll be so happy. I'll feel so right. And kind of uh, uh, shit on all the naysayers when that, when that does really start to happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome that so you just reached out to Greg and he and he and he I, I kind of feel like that's a pretty common story. There's a lot of really great people in the Bitcoin community who seem like they don't have a whole lot of time to talk to randos. I know like I don't get hit up like somebody like Greg Foss, but even high hash rate with our 13 episodes and a few hundred listeners, right? Like we got some crazy fanboys and girls like they're really into it and it's it's awesome but it's like if i had thousands of people like that message and dming me all the time like i don't know if i could deal with it i don't know if i could like answer them all the time so and so undoubtedly some of these guys do and they still take the time to to be chill like to be cool and like talk to you and like be real with you that's 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 impressive and greg's one of those people so it's really cool to hear that other people have that uh experience with him yeah, yeah. My, my theory on that is that that's uh, that's the Bitcoin thing. Um, so we know Bitcoin kind of uh, aligns incentives yeah. in uh, in an amazing way, and I think that's one of them. Where um, when people believe in something so much and they want to see it succeed, right. uh, they're willing to donate their their time and energy oh, yeah. and their and their expertise um, when there's no and and think of the long time preference on that. Like there's no direct benefit to to Greg on that. Uh, Right. It's just it's just trying to build the network effect. Right. Trying to add a, a branch to the network. Um, and I think a lot of people are willing to sacrifice their time yeah. to do that. That's uh, not many things have aligned as many people as no, Bitcoin right. has in the last it, 13 years. No, man, it totally changed my life. So like I, I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but I was. I worked in like healthcare and uh, health insurance data. Like I was like writing these big these applications to search all this big data and like help all these uh, American 
uh, health insurance companies like just sign up loads of senior citizens under their like Medicare plans. Uh, and it sucked. I mean, it was like, it was challenging work. It was, but it like overall sucked. It was healthcare is terrible. Um, uh, and like, I got into like, I just, once I got orange pill and just went like super psycho mode, like fugue state obsessed for a few months, pretty much kind of like nuked a relationship. I was so obsessed with Bitcoin. Like I wasn't paying attention to my girlfriend. Uh, and then boom, like I, went got a job transformed my whole life and honestly it's kind of big risk at the time or felt like one but it was probably the safest thing i've ever done like i've never felt less uh i've never felt like i gotta hedge what i'm doing i gotta make sure like i've got like an out or another plan it's all my focus i can just put my time on it's like this this like courage of conviction you know you know the path like you can you're not going to stay on the path. You're not going to follow the, the right path in life at all times. You're always going to stray or you're going to have like temptations, but at least you can see that path. You know what it is. You can come back to it when you're ready. I don't think necessarily everybody has that. Once you get that signal that you can parse out through the noise, it's uh, it really does. It doesn't make your life easy. It doesn't make your problems go away, but it definitely gives you the tools and it gives you the confidence uh, and all that to, to, to keep doing the right thing, so to speak. Mm. I think, um, I think that, that has to do with, um, with time preference, right? Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. Glad you brought that up. And the, the other side of that to me is, um, I think people, once they find Bitcoin, they can be optimistic about the future. Yes. Um, yes. And there's a million reasons not to be. Yeah, yeah. I think I think before I found Bitcoin, uh, I wasn't very optimistic about the distant future or my my kids kids uh, futures and things like that, um, because all I could see was okay. Well, the government bureaucracy gets bigger and bigger no matter what. Um, maybe if we have a, some really good leaders in place, they might pause the growth for part of their term. Um, but, but even that is unlikely, right? It's all, it only grows and there's nothing else that can happen. Um, but then when I found Bitcoin, it's okay. Um, I guess the future doesn't have to just end in, uh, communism and, and things like that. Um, so that has allowed me to change my life, um, just as far as like health and relationships and things like that is like, okay. Um, I want to live a long time to see all the good things that will happen in the world. <laughs> totally. No, that's, that, that's hundred percent. Like it's easy or it, people might knock like being an American and being like really pessimistic because it's seems so much easier than everybody else. But, and it's true, but definitely you go somewhere else in the world where there's way less reason to be optimistic. Their currency, their whole situation is in the shitter and it's only getting worse. Right? Like the world is literally falling apart. There's like running out of food, running out of energy. My net worth has been sliced 70% in the past few months. My house is probably going to lose all of its value in the next few months. I've never been more optimistic. I've, I'm not pessimistic at all. I'm pessimistic for other people and for conditions that a lot of people would consider risk to the downside. But personally, in my life, never been more optimistic. And I have a bazillion reasons, as many people do, to not feel optimistic. Hmm. Uh, there's a, there's an, an author that I used to read um, and he says, uh, optimism is the only realism. 
and uh, he uses the the analogy or the story just that uh, basically your phone has the same amount of computing power as uh, the, the the machine that, that put man on the moon. Right. Um, and now it's in your pocket and everybody has it. Um, and basically saying like when you're looking at human ingenuity, um, people always get better, right? And and all people want to do, it's, it's survival of the fittest, it's evolution. Uh, people just want to create better lives for themselves and their families. Yes. Um, and I think Bitcoin just um, allows that to happen more naturally because it removes the unnatural interference from um, people in ivory towers telling us how they think or what they think would be better for our families. Um, so that's, that, that makes me pretty optimistic too. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is, we, we must all have like a good high on right now. We're just like talking about the optimistic. Oh, dude, my shit's hitting hard. Uh, to like keep going on that though. It's, what were you saying? You were saying something about, no, the time preference. Yeah. So I, the tendency, I think, you know, every, and I was talking about this on our last episode. So it's kind of a repeat of what we had talked about last week with Eric, but every, every episode's a repeat of the, of the previous. Episode. Yeah. 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 Dude. I, I, I repeat the same shit over. It does. It's fine. Uh, the, it's like a pendulum or like a, a metronome or whatever, like keeping the, the rhythm. And right now we have like this tendency where everything's happening so quickly. Like you get new, the news cycle, right? Like every single day, a few years ago when Trump was president, right? It was stuff he was saying or doing or was coming out about him every day that would have gotten every president before him impeached and kicked out of the White House and, you know, driven out of town. Like stuff that Bill Clinton got impeached over, like that was like the, not even the worst thing that happened to Trump before noon on a day. And it's just accelerating like plagues or not plague, you know, the, the pandemics, all these crazy shit, the uh, famines coming, energy crisis. Everything's happened so quick. And then, you know, the tendency is to have that high time preference of like, I gotta, I gotta survive today. I gotta survive tomorrow. I can't think about the future because God knows what's going to be ahead. It's going to be nuclear fall, nuclear winter. And this, but you can't, everybody can't live that way. Like, and that's also, you know, like corporations incentivized to always make profit the next quarter. Uh, presidents our politicians always incentivized just to get to the next election everything is at most four years and at least four months three months whatever you can't operate that way at scale you're going to destroy it you're going to destroy people's mental mental states you're going to destroy your economies you're going to destroy your countries you're going to destroy the environment you're going to destroy everything mm -hmm. there has to be something that comes along and and puts an end to this and slows it all the fuck down, down so we can chill out and make decisions, rational decisions for ourselves, our families, for our communities. Like you can't, people don't even pay attention to their local politics, their school boards, what's going on like in their communities. They're, they're, they're focused on what CNN's talking about January 6th or something that, you know, some federal politician that shit does. I mean, it's not that this doesn't matter, but what matters way more is your te the teachers at your kids' schools, uh, you're, you know, the mayor, the city council, like focus on your community, focus on your neighbors. Like you can't love Ukraine if you don't know your neighbor's name. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> those are, you can't, it's just, it's all, it's all perverse incentives. Everything's backwards and Bitcoin's slowing it down. I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's pretty cool. You could, you could even go one step further, um, just shrinking it down away from from caring about the federal leaders and stuff like that. Even even into just your own household, right? Yeah, um, what you can control the most is um, the conversations that you have with your uh, your wife and your kids. Um, even even a step further is you can control um, what time you go to bed, what you're what you're eating in a day, and what what uh, activity you're doing and and like if you would have heard me say this like in uh september of 2020 a month before i discovered bitcoin you'd be like who the hell is that guy who's crazy but like that that wasn't me back then right um but it's just a different perspective um and i think just the fact that i'm more optimistic for the future i can make the decisions today that don't just benefit me today that benefit me in the future i'm glad you brought that up so before i go into mine what and maybe you don't have this and i'll and i can start but what is a the best example of the person you were before bitcoin and the person you were after bitcoin like what what would you point to in your current uh state or your current where you're living where you think your outlook whatever it is that's such a drastic difference from before i'll get so i'll start with mine right like i was uh, i lived in i lived downtown i always lived downtown I lived by the the nightlife Everything that was going on, it was fun. Like a condo type loft house, right? Uh, partied all, I partied way too much. I drank way too much. Uh, that's all I- you were, you were like a Miami boy? Yeah, I was like, I was I was hungover till Wednesday every week. And then I would okay. start again on Thursday. <laughs> wow, and I was like, wow, yeah, wow. And, dude. And I was like, I was on Tinder, Bumble. I was on date, going on every date I could. And then COVID hits. Everything kind of slows down. Probably something kicked in me that was like this, you know, more life you know life is short it's precious you might die something might happen whatever like you got to live the life you want but bitcoin was really the catalyst for that so like now i got a house i got i i spend 90 percent of my time and when the weather's nice like building like the landscaping the garden like the, the flowers like redoing the the brick in the house like just kind of taking this what is mine my property my expression of who i am is kind of on the property that I own, the way I handle my life, the way I spend my money, the way I spend my time. And I started thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about that before. I was just trying to have a good time. And now I'm like trying to like make the world a better place, or, but not the whole world, just my part of it. Because I can't make the whole world a better place, but I can make my plot, my the things that I touch, I can impact them a great deal and I can make it look better. I can make, you know, raise the property value. I can make it the best house in the neighborhood. I can affect my community and help people in their life. And it kind of goes back to when I always make that point about hyper-Bitcoinization is not when it becomes a reserve currency. Hyper-Bitcoinization is is when you start making Bitcoin your unit of account, the world is hyper-Bitcoinized for you because the only perspective that you have is yours. So it just gets really drilled down to the to the individual level. So I was just wondering if you have anything like that, where like you were just the lifestyle before, the lifestyle after, or just the way that you, the things you value in life. Yeah, I think um, I think over time, from like from the point of discovering Bitcoin, um, I think I was the biggest thing I'd say is definitely just being able to empathize more with uh the people around me 
um, and just having a less uh, me-centric life um, and kind of being able to step back and, and um, hear people for what they're saying a little more uh, than in the past, whereas before it was always about okay, how am I going to benefit from this? Um, yeah. How can I get out of this conversation so that I can do what I want to do or different things like that? Um, whereas now it's kind of like, okay, um, these people that I'm talking about, this is what th- that I'm talking to, these are the people who really matter. Um, and it really doesn't matter if I'm not that interested or bored, but uh, I should take the opportunity to uh, converse with my wife and things like that. Um so I'd say more personal because I've always had, a, I've always been pretty uh, cheap about saving for the future and always trying to uh, invest in the future and things like that. Uh, but I'd say from a relationship perspective and then my own health are probably the, uh, the biggest things. Nice. What about you, Mike? Um, can you repeat the question? Yeah. Just like what yeah, example, what would you point to? What symbol of transformation could you point to in your life that really drives home like the person you were before Bitcoin and the person you were after Bitcoin? Wow. What a deep question. Um, right. Uh, yeah, look, it, it has made, I've, I used to value uh, recording things a lot back in the day and I started becoming a filmmaker. It has since, made me start to understand since I got into Bitcoin, like valuing my time, my time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Valuing, yes. Valuing who I am, valuing what I'm doing. And, and I just used to think like, Oh, I have to be this worker for, for these people, or I have to try and become something for someone else. I have to, you know, be yeah, a director, whatever it is. But it just allowed me to actually become the thing that uh, I think I should, or is is be, is is allowing me, I should say, self-actualization. Uh, yeah, and I, and I obviously I'm not on, on the on the curve of fully hyper Bitcoinized. I think you need a, a price target there that actually is comfortable for you, right? So I'm not hyper Bitcoin and Bitcoinized yet, but I'm on my path. So. All right. You say you mentioned that. I actually take the opposite role. To me, hyper-Bitcoinization kind of occurs, or at least that in, from my experience, when the price stopped mattering. Exactly. Price doesn't matter. When do, when, yeah. Here's a good question. When does the price stop mattering? No, that's, yeah, a that, personal, yeah, exactly. that's a personal right, right. Like, level. Right. Sure. Okay. I get what you're saying. All right. I'm picking up where you're throwing down now. Okay. And right now the price still matters to me <laughs> very yeah. much. Okay. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah, you got a new kid. So yeah, this kind of leads into and see how you, you know, maybe this you agree, maybe you don't. A lot of uh a lot of us and we're all seem like we're roughly the same age. Like the the way that people were born with religion, um, raised in like churches and stuff a lot of people i rejected that so early on i i I want nothing to do with it um but i I wouldn't say i'm like religious now in the old sense but i starting to notice parallels in a lot of just the the value system of like 
the major religions and Bitcoin. And it's like not the same exact thing. And it's Bitcoin's not really like an organized religion, but it has a lot of the same aspects of it. And I'm starting to see like some of the, 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 the traditional ways of thinking and why they're beneficial and why it's kind of sucks when you're in your teens, but you realize when you're older, like, ah, like that, that does kind of help the community or, or like society work function a little bit better to be more uh, cohesive. I don't know if you've experienced similar uh, epiphanies like that. Either of you. Yeah. I was thinking about that recently. Um, just, you see people tweet about it quite a bit. Uh, where yeah, people I say, yeah. uh, Or people that who uh, found Bitcoin and then found God or found, found Christ after, after finding Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't off the top of my head, uh, recollect what those reasons are that they're that they're yeah. similar yeah like, so i mean like like, for, like yeah i think about this a lot like the you know satoshi who's satoshi we don't know he's anonymous so like it's it's very similar to the like in in christianity is is the immaculate conception right like the the virgin birth the the, the guy who never sinned well satoshi's not born of a virgin right but he's an anonymous person who somehow has stayed anonymous. I mean, he was so careful. He everything he 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 bought the domain bitcoin.org like I think uh through a cash trade in person trade where he got given like the password to the domain. And so there's no way that we can ever know who the real Satoshi was or if it was multiple people like we can't they can't whatever perverted weird past they have or whatever um like fucked up ideas they might have, or maybe they'll, they'd come back and support some bit that was really bad for Bitcoin. Maybe they'd be big blockers. There's none of that stuff that you have to worry about. It's like this and perfect anonymous person who gave us this, this money that will change the world. And he wrote the code in such a way that it just fucking works. Like nobody can hack it. Like it's so decentralized. It's everything that ha- needs to happen for Bitcoin to succeed happens. That's an immaculate conception. If we found if if Craig Wright really was Satoshi, that would be devastating for Bitcoin. I think. I mean, ultimate not maybe long term, but for I mean that would crush it for a while. Um, and it always it would it would it would put that seed of doubt in my head if it was Craig. Like I was like, hey, if that guy really made Bitcoin, I don't know if this is really that great. But so there's that. I mean, there's like the you, you go on Twitter, right? Like the plebs. Like if you if you don't have this conservative viewpoint if you hey i want to start putting nfts on layer two like you're gonna get whipped like that's don't fucking you're a heretic and i'm, I'm right there with it i got the, the don't you dare you know but there's just there's stuff like that i mean there's there's a million more but those are two of the biggest ones that i've noticed uh, early on yeah certainly kind of kind of similar hey than just like the uh the uh it's like a, a fable of some kind you know what i mean it's like uh bunch of memes God. a bunch of stories about what's about val- what values should be mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's yeah religion pretty, religion yeah. digitized yeah right right what, what all the bible stories or the quran stories right they're just stories about people but like you're supposed to have this person's the good person in the story this is the antagonist this is the protagonist this is the this is what we're supposed to gain from this love your family love your brother don't don't betray your family stuff like that like it's they're just dumb stories but anybody can read that and be like all right like family's important my community is important like respecting the elements respecting physics respecting the limitation man like that's important that's how i'm going to get ahead it's just kind of, it's like all a meme 
it's like back to how we started no matter where you're at in the world if you're african tongan asian chinese whatever new zealand we all can communicate we're all on the same level because of the the memes that essentially that we're sharing most of our tweets are in some form a meme I think the Ten Commandments were written in meme form, actually, when they were... Uh... Exactly. <laughs> no, fuck, you're right. BuzzFeed That's... listicle, the top yeah. ten memes about what you should not <laughs> or do, you know. Right. <laughs> At the time, yeah. Uh, yo, it follows the same pattern. Pl- plate liquor. Where did you get your name, Plate Liquor? What's that all about? Oh, yeah, I was going to ask that, too. Uh, so, so plate liquor. So, so, you know, the, the plebeian class, right. Pleb is, is short for the plebeian class, right. And they, that was in like, uh, ancient Rome. Um, and basically the, the plebs kind of banded together and rose up against their rulers and said, okay, we're not going to work anymore because the money that you're paying us is worthless. Anyways, we're not going to do it. Um, but they were uh, rude. They didn't have manners because they're like a lower class, right? Um, so one day I was just looking this up online and saying, okay, what is what is a pleb and what's plebeian and stuff? But the, the example that it gave of a, of a plebeian act was licking their plates. Oh. Done eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, like a vulgar act I've thing always to do. done that my whole life. I've always licked yes. my plate after each meal. 100%. Um, so I just right away was like, okay, I'm definitely a pleb. This is, this is my crowd. This is, uh, this, this is where I belong. So I, I resonate with that. So I had to decide to change my name on Twitter to uh plate looking pleb. That's great. Cause that literally my next question was like, you're, you know, you're a financial advisor, investment advisor, whatever, like, do you identify as the pleb? Obviously you do. Uh, and I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of the plebs online would not you wouldn't call if you saw them in their regular life you wouldn't say that's a pleb you know it's like that's like an upper middle class guy so like i don't know maybe maybe you've experienced this maybe you haven't but when i got into like bitcoin especially twitter i see all these like crazy pleb accounts and they're all anonymous they got some goofy cartoon as their avatar or dog or whatever and i'm like for some reason in my mind i'm like picturing like all these like 20 year old something like dudes like sharing memes online and then you start to meet these people in real life or they start to dox themselves to you because you get to know them or you go to a conference you meet them dude they're all like 40 year olds or like dads or families and it's like oh this is not what i expected at all and so i think yeah, it was like, more... yeah, but we all identify as plebs you know like we're all kind of like we're all the, the common man we're not better than each other that's right yeah like like i think the only one only people who aren't plebs are um either like the lawmakers or the people that are just such status that they might as well sure. be lawmakers too. Right. I think if you, if you are at all anti-establishment, anti uh, state, I, I think that's enough to qualify you as a pleb in my mind. 100%. Um, some people will say like, Oh, well you're, you're rich. So you can't be a pleb. Right. But I, I think that's bullshit. Maybe, maybe if you're rich and you're like, flaunting it like uh like the hex guy yeah you can't call him a pleb i don't think here uh, <laughs> here's a perfect here's a perfect example and like when it comes to elon musk i'm not like an elon musk fanboy i know he's fucking annoying he's 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 a lettuce hand bitch when it comes to bitcoin but he's a billion the richest guy in the world but he i think he's like a, i think he would identify as a pleb 
but dude like he doesn't own jack shit he lives in he like crashes on his friend's couches he lives in like one of those mini homes just bangs every chick that will have him which is fucking you know might as well (laughs) banging his like he's banging his own like people on his board he's banging the chicks on the in the c-suite of tesla and probably spacex too and he doesn't care he's just knocking them up he's like yeah we gotta like he's like i'm I'm gonna bang artists i'm gonna bang executives we gotta like spread our seed and it's like the new Genghis Khan. He just shit posts online like everybody else. So like Elon Musk has his like he he's got his flaws, but he's a pleb. He really is. Yeah, I mean, uh, he he's done a lot of pleb things. I think what you've described is his pleb side. Yeah. Uh, where he's not so much a pleb is his like trying to um, be the moral authority and say, oh well, well go. Bitcoin has too much of a. Uh, uh, negative ESG score, whatever the hell he was talking about, like that sure. stuff. That's not very, very plebeian in my mind. Um, but uh, I, th- I think overall, I'd give him, I'd, I'd let him pass as a, as a pleb. <laughs> yeah. So is it that he doesn't understand Bitcoin, or is it that he does understand Bitcoin? Yeah, that's something that that trips me out when I think about it because if he did, if he did understand Bitcoin, that would mean that he's doing this whole weird opsec thing where he's like not trying to let on uh how much he really knows about bitcoin Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like he's trying to let people believe that oh he's just buying it for the memes right Mm -hmm. um but then even today i saw a chart i think some shit corner posted it but they said something along the lines of like they showed where like the block of time where tesla sold and it was kind of when we were chilling on like 30 29k for the longest time Mm -hmm. that's basically when they sold was around there um, and then right when, once that time ended is basically when they liquidated Luna <laughs> and every that whole like chain of dominoes. So then I, my mind was really blown because I was like, did Elon kind of purposefully sell at that time to try and liquidate these shit coiners? Like how many steps ahead on the chessboard is he from us? Or does he just not understand Bitcoin? I, <laughs> right? So it's like, I think I my opinion on it is that... Uh... It depends on what you mean by understand Bitcoin, because if you really understood Bitcoin, right, like that, you'd be all in, right? But I think he understands it. But I think like the people who are been the um, object of derision by the plebs lately um, for straying, right? Some people just have ego. Some people just think that they're smarter. And he's, you know, he probably has a lot of reason to think he's smarter. He's done quite well, but they just, you know, they think that like, yeah, this is good, but I could, I could improve it. You know, I love Bitcoin, not, not, I love Bitcoin by my shit coin. I love, or I'm new to Bitcoin and I've got a way to fix it. I think it's a lot of its ego. I think he understands pretty decently the value of Bitcoin, but I think he looks at, he's like, Oh, I'm I'm the rocket science guy. It's going to take us to Mars. I can make it Bitcoin better. And I think that's where he's wrong. And I think a lot of people, will be humbled by, you know, they are over and over humbled by Bitcoin and he's going to be one of them. He probably is already a few times. Already somewhat. I think he sold at 15% loss. Right. Exactly. Um, what I was going to say is uh, something that, uh, so, well, I guess, so Elon, I'm sure in many ways understands Bitcoin way better than I do. Right. Um, as far as, you know, the actual coding of it and the actual functioning of it, he probably understands that part better than me, but I think, that if you think that you either have an easy way to improve Bitcoin by increasing the block size and, and everything like that, um, then there's 
some fundamental misunderstanding of yes. Bitcoin there. Um, and I think what, what Greg Foss always says is uh, he'll, he'll say that people are too smart by half. I think that if Elon isn't playing a crazy 3D chess match with us and if he is just missing a little bit, a little detail of Bitcoin, it's that he's too smart that he can't understand the, uh, the inevit inevitability of Bitcoin being the only winner. Um, so he's probably too smart for his own good in, in this sense. I, I think uh, that's more likely than the 3D chess. Yeah, yeah, it, definitely. And I, one thing... Oh yeah, the other thing I was gonna say is like you said, the big blockers and such. Like that's a it's a high time preference thing. If if or uh, well yeah, high time preference. It's like in 2017, it did seem somewhat not that it was the right choice, but it was a rational thing to think. Oh, maybe we do need big blocks until you start. You know, once you realize the trade offs aren't worth it, right? But it wasn't. We don't need the big. We don't even need the big blocks now. Like the even that even when it you know Bitcoin was spiking at the end of the year last year, the the uh the mempool like the transaction fees weren't there's nothing there's no big deal and it, it's we could probably make the blocks smaller honestly like i don't know if this would even work i haven't thought it out well enough but what if you had like a two-week difficult adjustment where the max was always going to be one megabyte but you could go down and you could adjust based on demand for mempool or for the for transaction blocks you could like have a two-week adjustment just like they do with the hash rate but for block size that could shrink the block limit down temporarily for two weeks but yeah so but now you know the one of the other big fuds is like what's going to happen when uh when the the subsidy the reward subsidy is gone can bitcoin survive on transaction fees because there's not enough demand for the blocks well yes they can. yes it can and i think trying to like nick carter he wanted to fucking take he wanted to confiscate satoshi's coins and redistribute them uh as to keep the subsidy going and other people want to like do all these other things to make up for the, the block reward being gone, but it's a it's not going to be a problem for a decade more. Um, but it, yeah, it's to think that there's you know the big blockers were wrong. They too they were thinking too high time preference, and I think the the the, the security budget fud is also too high time preference. Yo, what happened to Nick Carter? Someone tell me this. Oh, he just, um, he's a venture capitalist and people, I mean, he's always been into like other cryptos and shit coins, but it came out, um, that he was invested in this company that's got like, they would, the wallets would block addresses from suspect, you know, suspicious, um, addresses. So like somebody who was using mixers or somebody who was buying peer to peer instead of through some KYC shit, you know, centralized exchange. And that's like, Antithema, you know, anti everything Bitcoin is. People call him out on it. And yeah, people called him out on it. And he didn't, he just dug his heels into the ground and uh, started shitting on Bitcoin. Like he's like, he's like pretty much anti Bitcoin maximalist at this point. And it's only been a few weeks. It's a total meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is essentially um, kind of investing in something that, uh, hurts privacy hurts hurts yeah 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 I, yeah that's the best way to put it and then i think he's, i think it would have been so bad if he just said you know what you guys are right but <laughs> but you're right he does ego in and just made things worse and worse and he like dyed his hair blonde <laughs> dyed his hair blonde he went on the bank list with those fucking dorks from 
the Ethereum community, the I, one that grew on Mustache. On. If he had not gone on that show, um, we wouldn't have that wonderful song by that one. Uh, yeah, right. That one account. Everything works I, out in the end. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I want to song. give him credit, but I can't. Such a good song. That edible is whacking my ass right now. This is awesome. <laughs> good, good, good. How much? Can you remind me? Pretty bold of you guys to uh, to invite. Sorry, go ahead. No, go, go. You, 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 you go. You go. I was just gonna say it's, it's bold of you guys to invite uh, people to chat uh, specifically while while high. I think a lot of people avoid conversations while high. They're like, oh no, dude, me. I do too. I no, this is that's that's legit like that's one of the things that uh i had to i had to get over to do this because we were uh the backstory and we brought this up again like i said we repeat but i was in el salvador on my own but i work at swan and he was down there on a swan business trip like doing like stuff that's eventually ended up on that hard money show and we were just sitting at the hotel getting stoned and talking about like fucking weird energy conspiracies and stuff and like bitcoin it was awesome i was like dude like this is we should make a podcast out of this and we'll just get stoned and i was like all about it at the time but then i realized like dude i gotta talk to like eric Kaysen and brandon quit i'm like stone like i'm in, like i want these guys are i'm intimidated by them like i gotta do this high it sucked but or it didn't suck it didn't suck but it was uh it was you know it made me anxious for sure I like how you stayed true and you couldn't lie to your audience that you didn't just, you could have easily just not gotten high and said you did. Oh no. Yeah. Right. Right. Proof of, proof of bake or whatever. I, I prefer to uh, not remember the things I'm saying and doing on these sorts of occasions until I can watch it and be sober. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I can't, I can't listen to myself. It's awful. Yeah. 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 You know, you eventually listen back and you go, oh, okay, it wasn't so bad. You know, you had some interesting sometimes, sometimes, yeah, right, right. And it didn't sound too stupid or whatever. So, what, uh, are you like the annoying Bitcoin guy with your friend group or with your normie friends, or like how do you, uh, how do you, are you, how are you integrated with the people who knew you before 2020? Um, so yeah, I'm definitely the annoying, uh, Bitcoin guy. My, uh, my friends say, uh, said well why don't you marry bitcoin if you love yeah. it so much <laughs> uh but yeah basically every different friend group uh hears about bitcoin at least at least once or twice a week uh just for for different reasons and some people you got to be careful yeah. just with about how you talk about bitcoin because not everybody uh hates the state a lot of people yeah uh, right a lot of their identity is rooted in, in the the fact that the state needs to govern the way they live or else they'll die or something uh yeah. so you got to be careful with with lots of people actually just about what angle you talk about bitcoin uh, uh through um but definitely yeah i have uh one friend in particular who uh every time i hang out with them it uh, always turns into a bitcoin discussion nice. uh that lasts late into the night i haven't uh, converted him yet but i left a book with him last time so hopefully he'll uh, read that Yo, definitely you, had a few friends who were easy to orange pill but you know i got to them early and there's not a lot of people left you know that there's yeah. there's going to be a saturday night live sketch where there's going to be an annoying bitcoin guy that's like the a new character Eventually, yeah and we're the new like vegans and, and that type of thing <laughs> yeah right exactly no, that's true uh do you have do you have like a good meetup scene 
where you're at? Do you have any meetups that you go to? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I really got involved on Bitcoin Twitter um, is uh, like in January of this year. Um, I, it was basically lockdowns in Canada where I was. We couldn't do anything. Um, and I was bored as hell at home. And uh, I turned to my wife. I said, I got to do something. And believe it or not, at the time, it was either, okay, I'm either going to start a Bitcoin meetup uh, or I'm going to uh, try and get into some stand-up comedy. And, uh, and I'm not funny. Uh, so my wife said, oh, you definitely better do the Bitcoin thing. <laughs> don't, don't do stand-up comedy. Uh, so, I, so I just tweeted about it. I had never met a Bitcoiner in real life. Wow. Um, okay. And I didn't know any personally. So I just started tweeting and saying, I just picked a day picked a location that worked for me uh that was central we have tahini's near where i live as well oh, yeah, so that's yeah. a good location to kind of uh get get some uh reach on the, these tweets too um but it ended up being a big event like uh like shake pay which is the yeah. like uh, one of the main canadian bitcoin exchanges uh reached out to sponsor and bought everybody's food there nice. um but we did that in hamilton then we did another one in, in whippy uh, and we just did one last Saturday in uh, Toronto. Um, but there was like over a hundred people there and like, it was free booze and food, um, uh, because of sponsors, uh, two S nines were raffled off, uh, cold card was raffled off. It's like just a, uh, Greg Foss spoke there. I don't know. Do you guys know Tomer Strollite as well? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's works with us. Yeah. I'm trying to get him on high. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. For a little time, I, yeah I, 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 I built his website so he could sell his book. Uh, a few months ago. Oh, was, nice. Yeah, nice. I love Tomer. Anyways, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a good event. But the, the big, uh, I've been actually waiting for a moment to plug this. Um, the, the big reason for that Saturday meetup in, in Toronto was we were announcing the Canadian Bitcoin conference. Oh, shit. Um, that's happening next June. It's going to be an, an annual thing. Uh, it's in Toronto next year, but it, it might change locations uh, in, in following years. Um, but that's going to be a big event. There's like some, some serious people planning that, um, and, uh, lots of interest from both speakers and sponsors so far. Um, but I think that's going to be one that people will be coming internationally as well for that, uh, that kind of caliper of event. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm coming. coming you should definitely come. Yeah, I will hundred yeah. yeah. percent be at the Canadian Bitcoin conference next June. When when will you guys post this podcast? Uh, it won't be next two weeks. Yeah. It seems next like two weeks. Doing so not tomorrow, okay? Because I was just gonna say they're uh, they're doing we, a thing on Twitter. If you, if you follow them and tweet at them, so or uh, by Saturday we can uh, something we can do though is we can take can a clip push. from this or do some sort of like we can just plan a clip right now and you can say basically what you want to say and we'll say hey like we just had an episode coming out but like you know and we can do the canadian bitcoin thing too well we could also push you ahead in the stack too if, if it's more time sensitive we can bump up the episode i don't think that's a problem well yeah, for something like that it'd be worth it yes yeah yeah it, up to you guys if you, if you want to do that um but basically what i'll say is um if you follow canadian bitcoin conference on twitter so it's cdn bitcoin comp okay. uh on twitter and tweet at them uh by saturday then you're entered to win a uh, a free ticket 
and they're giving away three. So there's a nice. de decent chance for you there. There you go. Everyone, you hear, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, if, uh, Plate Laker, you want to tell us anything else about uh, where people can find you, your work, or do you want to remain anonymous? I wanted to talk a little bit about your anonymity, but maybe I shouldn't go into it. I, I was interested. We, got, we, we talked. We talked about it off camera right before you got on. That's right. Oh God. Okay. Okay. But no, baby, you can talk about it now. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you got you got a a question? No. No. I... <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> Dan, Dan, get me out of this. I'm in a place. What, what are your you're you're kind of a pleb online, but like, what is your uh, opinion on like being anonymous and how do you how do you how how's your how have your views evolved on like the privacy aspect or when you got on Bitcoin Twitter? Uh, so I used to be much more careful at first, and uh, I think I was. Uh, just more worried because I wasn't comfortable with my own um, ability to keep my own keys safe and, and just just practice proper uh, proper uh, seed storage and, and privacy things and stuff like that. So I was super nervous. Um, but then over time, um, I have posted pictures of myself and things like that. My name isn't isn't anywhere except for in private DMs with people and stuff like that. Um, more on the privacy now nowadays is just so that I can't get uh, can't get associated with my my day job gotcha. because my day job I'm not allowed to basically do any anything with any other businesses or like even a volunteer capacity I'm supposed to like get permission and stuff like that um, so that that's the main reason for the NIM for me um, but when I meet people at Bitcoin meetups I tell them my real name I give people my phone number all the time. Um, I'm more concerned nowadays about uh, the privacy of my stack than of my um, yeah. online identity. I think um, whether that's right or not, or the best thing, that's that's the, what uh, what I know how to do, and that's uh, uh, what's easiest for me too. You guys, what are the um, options and where you're at for uh, maybe you guys have to. KYC to buy from you know if you're like somebody getting new into Bitcoin do you have to go through a KYC uh, exchange or is there options or like the United States is pretty strict you can do it peer to peer but if you're new you're probably not going to know how to do that yeah Canada isn't great either like there there's there's BISC right okay yeah. um, a little easier is there's like a, a place places around that. Uh, you can go and bring in cash, and if you okay, put cool. less than a thousand dollars, there's no KYC. Okay. Um, so that's pretty good. That's probably the easiest one if there's something like that near you. Um, or mine. I think yeah. what's maybe not completely non KYC. I think I think it is though. Basically, is uh, bull Bitcoin in Canada? If you yeah, yeah bull Bitcoin. buy from them, they they're mixing on their end, and then if once you receive it, you mix on on your end as well. Mm -hmm. uh, then it's pretty difficult to trace those coins. So yeah, the government knows you bought those coins still, but they have no idea to, they no, no way to follow it. your coins to know yeah. if you you sold it or spent sure. it or anything like that. So that that's pretty good too. Um, I took a little bit of a stance on Twitter a couple days or weeks ago uh, that some people got pretty mad about, but um, 
I don't think having like I think it's important to have some non KYC mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin uh, just in case the eventuality where the government is literally going to put you in jail unless you give yeah. up your Bitcoin, right? right? Then you need something that's non KYC. But I I feel like it's probably a greater chance that it won't happen, and it's just more likely that the government will see okay, well there's 350 million Americans and 285 million of them all own Bitcoin yeah. in self-custody. Right. Um, is is it really logical for us to try and exert our violence no. uh, on people for, for something like that? I think that's more logical. So I have a bigger KYC stack. And I think people should have a big KYC stack so that they can uh, kind of flex to their local government in that way. Yeah. You know what? I agree. I, I'm 100% with that. I understand that not everybody in every jurisdiction is going to have that perspective. Uh, but as an American uh, or a North American, both, um, I agree with you. I don't, it's, it's, there's no practical way for them to track every transaction, every coin, um, and, and to actually enforce compliance there. And as, uh, as Lawrence Leopard said um, on Twitter the other day, uh, he was talking about, kind of having to report on like every lightning transaction, every Bitcoin transaction. And he's like, listen, how many of those are taking place every day? There, there's no way, especially with lightnings added additional privacy. There's no way that they can track that. There's no way they can enforce that. It would cost them so much money to investigate it. And he goes, fuck them, fucking let them, tr- let, fuck them, let them try. And that's how I agree. Like they're, they're, the government's, they're full of idiots. I don't think that, I don't think that it's it's necessarily wrong to do KY non KYC only, but I think it's uh, it isn't necessarily something that's you need to do. It just made me think that Bitcoin's ability to proliferate like true data, like information, and it's it's sort of explosion of data in a way, right? Because it's, we finally it's, like rem- like it's something that's so concrete. And lightning, lightning stuff, lightning data is ephemeral. You close the channel, that shit's gone. There's no way you can fucking go back and try to find those. You can find the final settlement, but you can't find all the individual transactions in between. It's a fair, it's, it's, it's vast. It's ephemeral in some senses. Yeah, there's yeah, just yeah, yeah. so much. There's no way that they can efficiently parse it. Yeah, because they're a centralized source, right? Right. Well, it's just, there's just, there's just too much what the value like what are they going to do prove that i made a 17 cent capital gain on a transaction like they're right. going to spend a million dollars to determine that fuck that <laughs> they're not going to do that yeah i think um it's kind of it's a little bit of a race between uh bitcoiners and governments sure because um i think if right now uh let's say all the g7 nations um, decided to kind of say at the same time, okay, Bitcoin is banned and anybody who transacts transacts in it uh, will face a $250,000 fine or a year in jail or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll get a lot of people who capitulate and, and say, okay, yeah, I'll sell. I'll, the, the government's going to buy my Bitcoin from me at a premium. Uh, I'll do that. It's better than just like being scared all the time. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. that were to happen right now in a coordinated fashion, uh, I think we could be in trouble. But as uh, Bitcoin is adopted, as and I'm when I say adopted, I mean it's one thing that you own some 
coins on Coinbase or something like that. But I think it'd be much better if we can double and triple and quadruple and 10x the amount of people who are taking their own custody and doing coin joins and yeah. things like that. Because once that happens, then I think it becomes less and less viable for governments to kind of get their right. shit together and do something like that. Right. The more, um, the more that they try to enforce it or punish it or come after it, the more they drive it. I mean, if you're really using Bitcoin correctly, they're not going to, they can't KYC you. They can't trace you. The more, and the more, so the more they push on it, the less compliance they're going to get. They're going to get tax revenue because uh, uh, institutions and just, you know, high net worth individuals who just, they, they live above the law or whatever, like they're going to pay their taxes. If you, if they drive Bitcoin all the way down underground, they get no, they get no revenue out of it. So they'll just go after the easy targets, the whales, the the corporations. They're not going to come after John G. Pleb for using lightning to buy drugs. You know what I mean? Like it's just not, it's not worth it. It could, it could happen, but it's, they're, they're just not incentivized to do it in my opinion. Man, I hope, I ideally, hope the state, yeah, I guess that's what I was basically going to say. I was going to say, I, ideally, the state would just collapse uh, yeah. quickly. Bitcoin would just replace quickly and uh, it could be pretty painless. Yeah. If all, uh, yeah. <laughs> to me, to me it's, it's, poetic, it's like poetic justice. The Bitcoin, if used by the plebs, we can kind of like fly under the radar and, and, and transact our own little not black market but just you know whatever and it's the rich the powerful those people aren't going to get away with it so if they're using bitcoin they're going to be paying taxes on it the rest of us i'm not saying don't pay your taxes i'm just saying it's a lot easier for the for the plebs to uh to escape that what the usually only the rich can escape yeah i think we can do our parts um by uh, spending Bitcoin, agreed, uh, and not reporting, um, and just doing a lot of it in a complicated way that is very hard to track. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, so, open up your own wallet, send them to yourself, send them to your friends. Use Lightning back, from your uh, own node. Don't use a centralized Lightning channel. Why not? Yeah, because that's that's. If you're using a centralized like like Cash App, Strike, whatever, like your your KYC, they know the transactions you're making. But if you're if you have a an umbral node or just a laptop node and you got Lightning on there and you open a channel directly to, I mean, you could open a channel to uh, Cash App from your private node, but you're you're doing it through Tor. But you can make you can hook endless really channels up to anybody you want, any node, and just pay them directly. That's nobody's gonna know about that. There's no way to it's private. Even if it has to hop through, like the the node that it hops through doesn't know uh, personal information about you. So untraceable data is going to be very, very valuable, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Of course. Or it, 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 depending on the context. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, plate Ligger, uh, this is what I was going to ask you. Where do people find you? what's your work, this kind of stuff? Um, so the best, best place to find me is just on Twitter. So it's just uh, at plate liquor underscore 21. Um, that's where you hear about all the meetups in the GTA, greater Toronto area. Um, and that's just where I, where I talk about Bitcoin. I don't really interact with Bitcoin on any other uh, platform. Um, yeah. Send me a tweet. I, uh, 
I, I like uh, I like answering people. I like answering plebs. I like following a lot of plebs too. So if you're Bitcoin only, usually I will uh, will follow. <laughs> nice. Quick question: Are are you posting on or getting the meetup meet information on Bitcoin or Meetups.com? No, no, I've never uh, never used any of that. Okay, just, well, I just always yeah. Bitcoin or Meetups.com. Uh, Swan, like I, I'm one of like the engineers kind of running that show so uh check out bitcoin meetups.com you can uh submit your that all that meetup information like you don't have to give up any information except for location time get it on there man get on there so i mean we're trying to drive people there we want people we want bitcoiners to meet why are you laughing at me mike so what is it exactly what is it, it bitcoin is literally just a, a website where you can go and search for a Bitcoin specific meetup, a Bitcoin specific event, a Bitcoin specific whatever in based on your, your city, your state, your country. Like it's, it's global. Yeah. We're scraping. We like scraping. Yeah. Yeah. Bitcoiner events. Yeah. It's Bitcoiner events. It's not, excuse me. I'm fucking high. It's not Bitcoiner meetups. It's Bitcoiner events.com. Bitcoiner events.com. And that the Twitter is at Bitcoiner events. Use promo code yeah, that's cool. fucking yeah, 420, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know what? Throw throw the Canadian Bitcoin conference on BitcoinerEvents.com because that we're fucking spamming that information everywhere, we're getting the word out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll I'll, uh, I'll put that up on there. We don't have a, a, a set in stone date yet. Do you guys but, need a website? Uh, I do websites. Just so you know, uh, I think yeah. they, I think they do have a website. So d- just to right. clarify, I'm, uh, I'm technically just like volunteering with them. Oh, sure, sure. Um, sure. So I don't, uh, I don't call the shots there, but I can, uh, I can, I can tell, I can tell them about it. That's for sure. Bro, call some shots. Better ask for uh, forgiveness than permission. All right. <laughs> it was good to talk to you, dude. This was good. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed it. We had uh, some some interesting moments. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on Plate Liquor. It was a pleasure. It was very nice to speak with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry if we're too high. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at at High Hash Rate on Twitter. Or you can hit up uh, Dan at Heartland Bitcoin on Twitter. And myself, Mike, I am at Rundance BTC. Yeah.